blow a stack for your with your trapping. Time for Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I am Kelly Patrick, joined by Mike Gandolfo and the lovely Ashley Miller this morning, coming at you from 10 until noon, here to talk about all things in the world of sports. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. How are you all doing this morning? Doing great. A little, little less stressed out than you, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's okay. <laughs> right. Just roll with the punches. You know, more technical difficulties than Bobby Petrino's offense, but that's all right. Oh! oh. <laughs> that cut deep. Plenty to talk about this morning, whether it be the Louisville 20-10 to 10 victory over Wake Forest at Papa John's Cardinal Stadium, or Kentucky's first SEC victory in over two years. Hey, Mike. not only that, but win number three for the first time. In, in that I mean, town too, as well. You know, they got finally got win number three. Two straight years of two and ten. That's, just, is that what it... God. Just getting win number two three. Two straight years of two and ten. That's right. So That's right. That, that hadn't sunk in for me. I guess I didn't do my homework. But they... Okay. So that win number three, the Stoops era, is clearly headed in a positive direction. Yeah, I mean, I think overall, Kentucky fans have to stay focused on the fact that they got that SEC win, that they got that third win. Even though they did not look offensively, I mean, it really, UK and UofL kind of mirrored each other yesterday. The defenses played outstanding, and the offenses struggled at times. And Kentucky got off to a great start, and then Patrick Tolles threw a pick six, and then after that, it was just kind of, it was kind of, eh, you know. But then they also got very vanilla too, so uh, and just really concentrated on running the ball. So, you know, overall, it feels good to be. Uh, three and one, and have that SEC win. Oh, I'm sure three and one is a a huge upgrade from what Kentucky fans have been used to in recent years. Louisville almost did what 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 we all feared and completely dropped the ball at one point yesterday. It looked like Bonifon was a just a horribly inexper- inexperienced true freshman who was not the answer. At the end of the day, Louisville won 20-10, to 10, though. Uh, if you watch the game and you're a Louisville fan, you're not happy with the win, sure. But it wasn't a loss. And anytime you start a true freshman at the quarterback position in big-time, what I'll go ahead and say is big-time college football conference, you got to think that as the season progresses, he'll make some strides in the right direction. Well, and then you also got the, uh, the emergence of Brandon Ratcliffe, who on when I did our show Friday out at Oxmoor, I said this is probably the running back Louisville has and I've been the most impressed with so far. And Ratcliffe has looked fantastic for them, scoring twice, two touchdowns for them. I mean, that's moving an entire pile of of Wake Forest defenders. Did you see that? Yeah, it was incredible. So uh, he had a huge game for him, and uh, if if they can get that, they got to get that running game going somehow, and that's been a, a big issue for them. Bonifun carried the ball 14 times for 46 yards himself, an average of 3.3 yards a carry with a long of 16. So Reggie, uh, although he was 16 to 32 in the passing game, right. he, which is not good, Ashley. No, oh. <laughs> that's what I said. He, he, he did have agility in the back, uh, in the uh, in the pocket, and he was able to scramble and, and make some some first downs when necessary. 
Well, that forty-six yards too was the net. He actually, you got a, he had twenty-five yards in sacks, so he had seventy-one yards of positive running. Okay, uh, that's, that's right. That's pretty strong. I mean, uh, Bonifon and Ratcliffe are really the, you know, again, you get Michael Michael Dyer fourteen carries for forty-five yards. That's less than three yards a carry, mm. and then. Um, uh, Dominic Brown limited carries. I mean, only three carries, and had they uh, the didn't he? Ha- is he the one who had the big fumble? Um, I'm tr- I'm trying to remember. I'm not sure. So so I'll go ahead and say that um, I DVR this game. I plan to watch it this afternoon. Oh, okay. Because uh, I went I went to a wedding that started at four o'clock or four thirty, and I told myself reminder note to self: never get married. At the same time, U of L is playing basketball or football or basketball. <laughs> yeah, you got to get married like uh, during baseball season, right? Uh, probably. Yeah. 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 Maybe uh, after the Reds are, are mathematically eliminated. Maybe during Derby Week, where everyone's in town, and then we just party all week. Well, I mean, you know, a June sure, that would be fun. A June wedding, the Reds. No, it's too hard. A game, in, a baseball <laughs> game in June doesn't really matter, you know. So I don't know. Plenty to talk about today. Week four of the NFL ahead of us. So we got our fantasy lineups and decisions related to everything. I realized um, on Monday how horrible I did last week in calling games for the most part. I think I had like three right, two or three right. Really? Yeah. (laughs) I I, I don't think I did too well this past week either. Mike, have you gotten a chance to compute uh, the standings? But they are all data-based on livesportschester.com. So we will be able to go back and look at one at some point, see who's winning. we got to get in there and get the the four. I have not been able to do it, so I... Uh, I had a little bit, a lot of things come up this week. Was not able to do it, but I take uh, full responsibility. Please, please forgive me. Okay. <laughs> Since you asked so nicely. Yes. Other storylines that are applicable to the city of Louisville and, and our interest in the, the sporting world would be the very interesting discussion of Charlie Strong possibly being what is it, Mike, an advisor in the NFL? Yeah, I, I did you saw see that story? That. I saw uh, briefly. I didn't go back and read. The I don't know where this came from, but he, I don't know the exact story. But ESPN has has mentioned on a couple different occasions that maybe Roger Goodell should take advice from Charlie Strong with disciplining disciplining players and running a clean ship. So, although Strong, Charlie Strong did um, increase their drug testing, um, at least, or I don't know if if they're getting drug tested more often or the. Or, or they're drug testing for more things, but I know that they are increasing their drug testing efforts at Texas because of Charlie Strong. Which is a, a reputable thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they came out, I guess, two days ago that, mm-hmm. that Roger Goodell actually does want to meet with Charlie Strong and, and figure out, you know, kind of, I guess. So what is, his is Charlie Strong is. taking somewhat of a Tony Dungy type role within the world of football? Or maybe he'll, he'll end up maybe not being a head coach at some point, but yet. Uh, being a paid advisor to someone in some capacity, maybe almost a spiritual mentor. Well, I think the people in Texas are thinking he won't be a head coach much longer. Oh, yeah. So I, a very interesting twist in my eyes that Charlie Strong, with his documented struggles in Texas and the very high um, level of criticism that he's subjected to while in Texas, that that now this is a storyline, and, and I find it interesting. Uh, Strong did in, in implement his five core values. Mm-hmm. What's his? I mean, that's or, or whatever the, the core values were when he's they are honesty, treat women. Well, number one is honesty. Number two is treat women with respect. Number three is no drugs. Number four is no stealing, and number five is no guns. Those are core values. There you go. 
And it says so far this season, Strong has suspended nine players for breaking the rules. Uh, I, I I look at that. I mean, listen, Charlie is a a definitely a high morale, high character type of guy. I, you know, he's a guy who should be set as an example. Um, I also feel like, in some ways, him being as strict as he is at Texas is also kind of buying him a little bit more time. Sure. Does that make sense? I mean, sure. Oh yeah. I mean, if otherwise, it, don't you don't you in some sense get the or some way get a sense that oh I'm coming in here and cleaning everything up because it was an absolute mess and actually that even happened a little bit after uh, he took over for Crackthorpe here and, and Crackthorpe did the same thing after Bobby. Patino everybody left. does it. Yeah. Everybody, I think everyone does. That everybody comes in and says whoa 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 things were not done right here things were not done right here I need to clean house yeah. and you got to give me and I would do the same thing. Yeah, because it buys you some time, and the fans respect it, and then year two, that's when we all said, oh, you just suck as a coach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he doesn't. I mean, let's be fair. Charlie Strong does not suck as no, a coach. No, not him. He's a conservative defense-oriented. Cragthorpe. Cragthorpe does. Yeah, and I don't even really know if that's fair to say Cragthorpe suck. I mean, he obviously was a very successful coach before he came to Louisville at Tulsa, and uh, it's not like the guys forget how to coach. I just, in some situations, the... They do not fit. Some, there's there's a fit that matters. Oh, know? certainly. Rick Pitino did it after Denny, and Rick had those uh, overachieving classes, guys like Ellis Miles, and was Reese Gaines part of that transition? Uh, he was a little bit later, but yeah, I mean. A little later. He was a, a 100% Rick guy. I think he was 100% a Rick guy, yeah. I'm trying to think. Who are some of those guys who bridged between? I know Ellis was recruited by Denny and mainly played for Rick. Was Larry O'Bannon? Man, I don't know. But, I know, but, but there were, Ellis is the one I know for sure because we talk about it a lot. So yeah, but anytime, regardless of whether or not the person you're filling in for is a high character guy like Mac Brown with Charlie Strong in Texas, uh, you you don't want to go into someone else's kitchen. And they always use the analogy, but I'll use it. You don't want to go into somebody else's kitchen, use what they picked out. They went to Kroger and they picked out what they thought they needed, and now you want to be evaluated based on trying to cook something with what they picked. Right. So you want to have the, the, the players that fit your system, the guys. I mean, there are definitive, especially within football, I would argue. Hey, big big 12 news right now. They're just, just breaking. Uh, Charlie Weiss has just been fired at Kansas. Oh, wow. wow. So there you go. Kansas fires Charlie Weiss. Uh, there's a he guy. had done very bad. 6-22 and 22 in three years. Well, not only that, but he comes into Notre Dame with no head coaching experience and has a magical season. I mean, in Almost beats USC. I mean, I was at that ball game. It was one of the best atmospheres I've ever been at. It would, they went ten and two. Almost beat USC. You were there. Yeah, I was there. It wow, was unreal. Um, you know, that's the Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart push game yeah. across the the goal line, and he has done nothing since then. I mean, it's been like a. The, how can you be at your peak as your first year as a head football coach at a major major program? Mike Davis did it, and then just. Slowly drop. It happens on occasion. That's weird, though, isn't it? It is weird, and I, I think it, it was a. It's the exact opposite of what we're talking about with Charlie Strong. It is. Yeah. You know, when when you coach Tom Brady and you get some of that Tom Brady magic fairy dust rubbed on you, and everybody thinks that you're gold and everything you touch is going to be Tom Brady esque. Um, then, then you're given second and third chances, and everybody it, was like, "I got to hire a Belichick disciple." You know, I Romeo Cornell, yeah, all everybody. Those guys. The guy who was the guy who was at the uh, Josh um, at the uh, Broncos, yeah, Josh, Josh uh, was a 
McDaniels. McDaniels. Josh McDaniels, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So I mean, he got a second chance too. He mm-hmm. got a second head coaching job. Was it St. Louis or somewhere like that? But it is interesting to follow the coaching carousel. Kansas is a school that let's go ahead and say it's somewhat similar to Kentucky. Not exactly where you want to go if you're a head football coach. I would agree with that. Right? Yeah. I mean, except Charlie that, Weiss didn't. I like to fulfill think that Kentucky's their, a better job than Kansas is football wise. SEC is better than the Big 12. Yeah. But you got to also, I mean, and I think there's a similarity where Kansas is like, they can do it at Kansas State. Why can't we do it here? Sure. Or, you know, they can do it at Missouri. Why can't Kentucky do it? They can do it at Louisville. Right. Well, there's a different scenario, though, because different conferences. But yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was somewhat ribbon there, but. Yeah, I, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I felt it. I appreciated that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Other storylines across the world of sports is we saw Derek Jeter go out in. Just the most dramatic and Derek Jeter-esque fashion ever as he hits a a walk-off single to win a game in his final appearance in Yankee Stadium. Drew a lot of attention from many different avenues and many different angles as Keith Olbermann. Did you guys hear Keith Olbermann's take on the whole thing? No, what was it? Keith Olbermann came out guns a-blazing with strong criticism of Derek Jeter and Basically saying not only is he probably overrated historically, the but that, that Derek Jeter can basically be held accountable for the Yankees not being in the, the playoff race this year. He did put up horrible numbers this year. Derek Jeter did. All right, but he's a career three oh nine hitter. Yeah. Okay. Name four shortstops in Major League Baseball history that you would rather have than Derek Jeter. Exactly. It's tough to say. Exactly. And he's probably the fifth best Yankee of all time. But let, in the day of age of social media and all, he's never been in trouble. Yeah, He is in the media capital of the world. And nobody can pin anything except for high character, kind of like what we were just talking about Charlie Strong, high character stuff to a guy like Derek Jeter. And I'm not a Yankees fan. I'm not really even a Jeter fan. But you've got to respect the guy. I mean, I think you have to totally respect the guy. You certainly do, and it's amazing how he has... And that's Olbermann just trying to be controversial. It is, and, and he listeners. does that in politics and everything, and, and that's it's, he got people talking. He got people talking, no question about it. But I think where the criticism comes in, similar to Cal Ripken Jr., is the amount of attention that Derek Jeter and Cal Ripken Jr. have received... Is it necessarily warranted? Is he the greatest player ever? You said he's the fifth greatest Yankee ever. That's He won five World Series. He's the all-time leader in hits from the shortstop position. I think he's fourth in home runs from the shortstop position. Uh, I think he leads it in doubles, something like that. He's Historically, he's played for 20 seasons. and he's 19, been, but yeah. Okay, 19. Um, and, and he's won five World Series, and he's always played on the Yankees. He grew up wanting to be a Yankee, and he, he was a Yankee, and he's going to go down as an all-time great. No question about it, he's an all-time great. Is the amount of attention that he has received warranted? Or are there other people, like maybe Barry Larkin, who've been overlooked as far as their, their talent? If Barry, Let's say if Barry Larkin were in the exact same shoes as Derek Jeter— what I mean by that is if he got to play his entire career with the payroll and the lineup protection that, okay. Derek, that Derek Jeter got, how much of a difference would there be in their overall production? And does that matter? 
Uh, I mean, that's a great question. I don't know. I mean, Barry Larkin had a pretty good career, and he's a Hall of Famer. And He won an MVP. Derek Jeter won. never won an MVP. He won an MVP. He won in the senior circuit, the National League. But would it be that different? Does, is Barry Larkin getting ripped off in all this? I, I don't think he's getting ripped off. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't know if it's That's necessarily the, the Red, fair. Reds fan and me talking, but yeah. I mean, I think he was always. I think the problem is that really with Jeter and with Barry Larkin. Uh, to be to be fair, was that they were constantly in the shadow of other shortstops that played with at the same time. Ozzy so, Smith. Yeah, exactly. And so I actually brought up the uh, question on the show Friday. You know, was there ever a time during Jeter's career, his 19 years? where he would have been considered the best shortstop in the game at that given time. But when you look at how he did it over the course of 19 years, you've got to put him as one of the top four or five shortstops of all time. Yeah. Even though, like, at a given time, you may not have – I mean, there was a period when Nomar Garcia-Pera was probably a better shortstop than Derek Jeter. Yeah. And then A-Rod was a better shortstop than Derek Jeter. And then you – so you always had, like, these guys – you know, whether it be Ozzie Smith or, or whoever it might have been, where Jeter was probably really never – I mean, he's only – to that point, he's only won five gold gloves in that 19 years. I mean, if, well, only. Five gold gloves is still pretty amazing. But when you see just how he his – the culmination of his entire career and yeah. how he's done it consistently, I think you've got to put him up there. It's always a interesting type topic uh, with someone who – spills over into the world of, I'd say, fashion and, and the public eye. Well, that – and everything like that, Ashley. I, I'd be interested to hear your take on Derek Jeter. Maybe not even from a baseball perspective, but what is the, what is the view of Derek Jeter? He, my perspective on the non-baseball side of it is Derek Jeter is the the, the guy who women want to be with and men want to be like. And he's always been able to date and be with any woman that he wants. And the general public is okay with it because he's not married. Yep. And then he. Within a couple weeks, moves on to the next one, and he does it with just amazing grace. And, I mean, he just lives the life that everybody, I hate to say it, I'm a very happily married man, and I, I don't want that life. But he does what inherently men want to do, and he dominates it as sport, and he wins with grace, and he doesn't get criticized, and he dates just all the most beautiful women in the world. I'll tell you this, though, Kelly. I think um, probably... Because he, I just looked, and he's 40 now. So that lifestyle, as great as it may have been, um, most people are probably at this point starting to say, yeah, but you probably want to settle down because... George Clooney! George Clooney just got married. Finally. Um, But Derek Jeter is not going to be Derek Jeter in a few years. Like, people won't care as much. People will say, oh, yeah, that's Derek Jeter. He used to play baseball. But majority of the women that he's probably dating most likely like him because he's so much in the limelight. And we all know that how sports is on to the next one. So then he becomes the uh, has-been. And he's 40. I'm going to disagree a little bit because I I think baseball's got to find a way to keep Jeter involved because... um, Can we compare him to Michael Jordan? More so because baseball has no person... Now, that could walk into the room and the average person knows who that is. Nope. If Mike Trout walked in the studio right now, I'm a baseball fan and I don't know if I would be able to tell you, oh, that, that's Mike Trout. Yes, yeah, Puig. Well, I mean. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm there with you. That's I agree. the other issue is that most of the superstars in baseball right now are, are English as a second language type people, That's which is 
not bad, but it's hard for the American public to fully relate with that person, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, the baseball needs to be because the only person out there really that could probably walk in a room that people would know is Poppy. Yeah, maybe maybe Albert Pujols. Maybe. Maybe. Poppy being in a huge market like Boston, and obviously that means the entire New York market knows who he is. So, yeah, David Ortiz, who's toward the end, but he hasn't done it. He had steroid allegation. How much of it does go into the fact that Derek Jeter was always a slender-built guy who didn't have overwhelming power numbers, and his name was never mentioned within any type of performance-enhancing drugs controversy? Although all his teammates were. All, coincidentally, all every single one of his teammates was. <laughs> yeah, so you got to wonder, I guess, a little bit. but Maybe he was just using different stuff, like Lance Armstrong. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. It's an interesting topic to me. My buddy Scotty, one of my best friends, Scotty, New Yorker, through and through, lives in Jacksonville now, called me a couple days ago and said he's bartending down there and, and that he, someone was telling him Derek Jeter was overrated. And he thought of me and he called me. We talked on the phone yet two days ago for about half an hour. And... We were just talking about who, I mean, how great is Derek Jeter? Who do we compare him to historically? I mentioned when I was talking to him, he's a big Yankees fan. I'm a big Reds fan. He showed up. He did his job every day. Maybe similar to Pete Rose. He played for a very long time. Maybe similar to Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan never actually won a Cy Young. Nolan Ryan never actually even came in second place for Cy Young voting. Yet he was he's clutch. The, he he was clutch. He, he's the all-time leader in no-hitters, all-time leader in strikeouts. I think he's tied with Roger Clemens with seven no-hitters. Nonetheless. No, I think he's got it out right. I'm pretty sure Clemens doesn't have seven. Let me, I'll double-check, though. Okay. But uh, that would be a fair comparison. I like the whole the, topic interests me. I like the Pete Rose comparison, personally. I mean, I think that's probably the, the Charlie Hustle show, you know, show up to work every day. Um, although Jeter never got a, you know, seemed to have that brash arrogance about him that Rose did. He just... I yeah. like that's what impresses me about Jeter is just he just stayed cool as the other side of the pillow at all times. It didn't matter if you were being critical of him or if he was having ultra success, he just stayed right in the middle and just did what he had to do on a daily basis. And and Pete Rose has the the entire scandal regarding betting on the sport, the All Star scandal where he tried to hurt someone basically. I just it's amazing to me to have an athlete in this day and age where we have where he is thrust into the limelight, but nobody can find any dirt on him because there's so many people out there that are trying to find dirt on somebody. Hmm. True. But from Ashley's perspective, you would say Michael Jordan has longer staying power within the public eye and the the fashion and everything that has to do with outside of the world of sports. Michael Jordan has longer staying power than Derek Jeter. And there's got to be some truth to it. I mean, I, I think you represent a a, a different the female side of things, and you think Derek Jeter is... I think he's average-looking. He's average-looking. Okay. Derek Jeter is? Yeah. All right. I don't think he's... I was just looking at pictures. I pulled... Um, I Googled. Google search him. He cleans up nice, but I think he doesn't... If I saw him on the street, not knowing that he was De- Derek Jeter, I would not turn my head. He has amazing eyes. He, he has amazing nice eyes. amazing eyes. You got a man crush? I think he, it sounds like it, doesn't it? Sounds like it sounds like a real man, a real man crush. He's I mean, like, I'm not gay, but Derek Jeter, you know, it's all right though, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Let it out. It's okay. We can talk about it openly. No, That's but, what the weekend sports buzz is all about. <laughs> Openness, transparency. No one, <laughs> no one Ryan has six no hitters. 
No, Ryan definitely has seven. Right? I'm sorry, he has seven. You're right. And now I still can't find how many Roger Clemens has, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but, it's it's not seven. You're right. Regardless, though, he won seven Cy Youngs. No one Ryan never won one. Right. So that's what the interesting historical within our era. It's difficult to go back and say even guys like uh, who would we compare him to historically? I don't even know. Who's that Jeter? Sure. Yeah. Uh, what I'm talking about is specifically within our era. Derek Jeter has to go down as an all-time great. I mean, it really, in some ways, I'd compare him to Cal Ripken in some ways. I mean, Cal Ripken was that guy that showed up every day, wasn't real flashy, wasn't like he making was, unbelievable, unbelievable plays, but it was solid at shortstop. He was, in a, he was above average hitter, but it wasn't like he was uh, absolutely killing it. I mean, he showed up every day and played and played what he did what he had to do. You could pencil him into the lineup. And something that I think is extremely impressive is that he would show up to work every day. He was on contending teams. And when it mattered most, you didn't have to worry about who your shortstop was. But when it mattered most, which is in the World Series, he showed up. 321 batting average. And more of that when the game was on the line. I mean, the game was on the line. He was going to win it. As evidenced by his walk off hit in his final game at Yankee Stadium. And you know what? Someone else brought up the point on my show Friday. That most of these shortstops, towards if they're playing this long, are moving positions. Yeah, the Cal fact Ripken that he was, ended up as a third baseman. Right, the fact that he was able to stay at short, even when the premier shortstop in the Major League Baseball came to play on your team, and there was no question, A. Rob was the one moving to third, not Jeter. He's the captain. I mean, I, there's something to be said for that, right? Certainly. I think we're boring, Ashley. Though. Yeah, that's I'm still right. looking at pictures because I felt like I feel like y'all y'all didn't really embrace my your your <laughs> my your crit- average looking criticism. <laughs> you, do you stand by it? You're looking I at do. you're looking at more pictures. There's yeah. a lot of average looking guys that can you know yeah that how, can get Jessica Beale. Guys' looks don't matter because it, clearly it's not about how he looks. It's about his pocket, and it's about what, right. Uh, how can it be about his pocket if Jessica Beale makes? Are you kidding? Tons of money on because top of it. She doesn't make tons of money. Are you guys not, No. I mean, she's going to make money per movie, but in most women in the show business are looking for the next come up. They're looking for who has a sustained financial income, who's going to make more money than them so they can live their lifestyle forever. Most women don't last in show business that long. I'd be surprised if she doesn't make more That's money fair. than There's he does. There's no way she makes really? more money than no, he does. No, I don't know about that because... Jeter has so many. Have you seen him on TV recently? I have on commercials. He's got to make a lot of money. Well, those Nike commercials, especially where they've been. But you know, he's Mariah Carey. He dated for a while. If let's let's <laughs> he, that, that's that's what he should go in the Hall of Fame for. Derek for Jeter, most celebrity women he's dated. Um, list of women. Let, let me Google that. Former Miss Universe Laura Dutta. I don't even know who that is. But. She's probably broke. Yeah, she. Like, <laughs> All those beauty pageant girls are broke for sure. And they marry up. That's what they do. Yeah. They get they get some type of celebrity, and then they marry somebody with a lot of money, and they're housewives. Are you dropping hints? No, I'm not. <laughs> but I'm just saying that's just what happens. So, like, Miss Kentucky's do it. Miss USA's, if they get married, they normally, like, live the life for a while. Miss Universe's. Well, I guess I don't really know much about them because a lot of times they go back to their countries uh, if they're not from USA. Um, Scarlett Johansson. They're saying Jer- Derek Jeter is worth 185 million dollars. So I'm looking up Jessica Biel's net worth right now. Okay, Minka Kelly, Jessica Alba. Wow, Jessica Biel's only net worth is only 18 million dollars. Oh man, man. I, I wouldn't. I would. Wouldn't. I would never. If I were single, that. I would not never be with her. <laughs> no, absolutely. She's 
Not the sugar mama type, for sure. No. I, I need someone who's worth in the hundreds of millions. Jordana Brewster, I don't know who that is. She was in the Fast and Furious. She was, um... She had been doing this for 20 years. I was busting tables, I'm guessing it was 1999. I was 16 years old. At, on the border restaurant at, at Springhurst. And I swear, I just randomly looked over into the, one of the tables, and I saw none other than Derek Jeter. And I was like, oh my God. So I went up and immediately got his autograph. He was very nice. And then I told a couple people, everybody from the kitchen, and bombarded him, and he literally just left. I, it was my fault. But he was nice when he was there, and he gave me his autograph. Where was this? On the border Mexican restaurant, no longer open in the Springhurst Shopping Center. Uh, he was in Louisville? Yes. Wow. I wonder and, if he was like visiting uh, Little Slug or something. I think he was with Tino Martinez, whose brother <laughs> oh, was Oh, Lalo a- Prado was it, the coach in UofL. Yeah. There you go. That's that's what it was. Who was? Lalo Prado. Who's that? Was the, T- Hank, was the baseball coach at UofL, and that was Tino Martinez's brother-in-law. Oh, okay. Brother-in-law. Yeah. Okay. See, I knew there was some connection there. He was with Tino Martinez, who, being honest, I, I think I may have recognized, but I, I clearly immediately recognized Derek Jeter. How weird that they were... At that restaurant, though, like they didn't go to like, you know, some high end whatever. They went to a, a, a local chain. Yeah, that is regular kind of place. And they, they, he didn't eat. I ran him off. Good job, Kelly. <laughs> but what I heard about Derek Jeter is if he has one beer or one drink, he never drives. Very responsible guy. That's why you never hear about him getting in any trouble. Why would you drive? Well, I also heard that if you go to his his apartment, you are dropping your cell phone in a basket. And there's not going to be any pictures or any kind of like Facebook messages. Hey, I'm hanging out with Derek Jeter at his place or whatever while you're there. I think I've heard that too. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's smart about it. I've also heard that you go to parties and you have to drop your cell phone or your keys into a basket. Okay. <laughs> That's like a swingers party. <laughs> You've heard of that? I was, I was just thinking, wow. what goes on in Derek Jeter's house? <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, guys, on that note. On that note, we'll take a break. Derek Jeter, we're going to go out to Big Pimpin'. Yep. <laughs> Very appropriate. We're going to head to a break here. Be sure to stay tuned for more of the weekend sports buzz. People looking good with diamond cuffs that'll freeze them. First time they fuss, some reason. Talk about what's the reasons. I'm a pimpin' every sense in the word, my mind. Better trust and believe him. In the cup where I keep them. Till I need the word. Till I need to beat it up. And it's BB. And I'm picking them up. Then I play with it quick in the truck. <laughs> Many chicks want to put. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Mike Gandolfo and the lovely Ashley Miller. Coming at you this morning, fresh off a couple of victories for the local teams. The Louisville Cardinals win at Papa John's Cardinal Stadium, 20-10. And Kentucky gets their first SEC victory in over two years. Since Matt Rourke led the uh, Kentucky Wildcats to the victory over Tennessee. Man, that seems like it was more... Ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was the last one. Wow. And that was a huge upset. 
Yeah. wonder when the last one before that was. To beat Tennessee, who you haven't beaten in like 20-something years. And, and, and wide have a wide receiver at quarterback who we didn't even, I didn't even know played quarterback. Right. That was amazing. It was. On the national level, Florida State was, at, at a certain point last night, looked like they were going to be upset For, by I, North Carolina State. It was a pretty amazing comeback, really. I mean, they were down pretty substantial. I think they were down three touchdowns early and then closed the gap to a three-point and then were back down like uh, 17 points, and they ended up winning and winning easily. It's amazing what winning does for your public personality perception. And Jameis Winston is all of a sudden, it's flip-flopped. And, and now everybody's talking about his poise and his maturity. I swear to God, I... I that's what everybody's talking about now, right? That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous, yes. He had a big game. His body language uh, was great. You saw him on the sidelines just fist bumping, high-fiving his offensive linemen, and he did what he needed to do on the field. He led by example. Does that mean he's a leader? No. Maybe he's a leader in his sport. But I think at some point, people, your, even your teammates start to give you the side eye because of how you how you behave off of the field. So I'm... Not sure I would call him a leader. I have to agree with Ashley because I think you can't just be a leader when you're on the football field. You have to be a leader at all times all if you're time. a true leader. So, uh, Especially someone in that type of a role um, and someone with that type of, um, I guess, public persona. Like everyone knows who you are. So people are watching you at all times. So it even ma- it matters even more what you do when you're not playing football because everyone's looking at you. But that Clearly. Was, yeah, that was what was compelling to me about him last year, you know, was that he had this charisma and looked like he was that this guy. energetic mm-hmm. leader of his team. And then, you know, ever since he basically got uh, acquitted of his rape charge, you know, it seems like we have issue after issue. At the same time, Kobe Bryant was acquitted of a rape charge, and that doesn't seem to really have tarnished his legacy too much in the grand scheme of things. If Jameis Winston recovers from this, and what I mean by that is if they go undefeated, let's say, let's just say most extreme case scenario. They go undefeated, they win a national championship, and Jameis Winston joins that special two-man group. What would then be a two-man group? Who's the other one? Archie Griffin? Archie Griffin, yeah. Of players who have won back-to-back and two Heisman trophies. He will have went from just an extreme low to just being arguably the greatest college football player ever. Will everybody forget about his immature acts? No. I don't. The, the comparison with Kobe is different to me because Kobe got in trouble, but then you didn't hear about Kobe getting in trouble time and time and time after that. Yeah, it was a one-time thing, and I, I am on the bus of people who still don't like Kobe because, well, I just didn't like him in the beginning, and that just made it worse, but... um he was already number one in the NBA. So I think that plays a role in it too. Like it would be different if, well, he didn't go to college, but if he had gone to college and was and did something like that and then got, I think it would have been more of a conversation about how does that affect his draft stock and all of those things. But I think they're different. Like you said, um, Mike, that it was a one-time thing. He's not like he's gotten in more trouble afterward. Like Jameis Winston, like I feel like that happened and he was quiet. Most of the season, they won the national championship, and then it hit the fan. Like, he started being super crazy after that. And I don't know if that's maybe a, oh, they got me off once. I can pretty much do whatever I want to. 
And I think, uh, you know, especially in Kobe's situation, you could see where someone would be chasing a paycheck or a settlement. You're not going to get any money by going after James Winston. Okay, so maybe there's some feeling that it was a clear-cut money grab <laughs> with the Kobe Bryant situation. I'm not you, a Kobe fan either, by the way. But. You didn't hear anything after the fact about Kobe being immature, doing anything like that. But, no. I mean, there's been guys throughout the history of sports. Lawrence Taylor just came out and... I won't say he's bragged, but he talked about how he smoked crack at halftime and he did all sorts of horrible things. And he's go down and maybe the greatest linebacker ever. Nobody seems to think that tarnishes his legacy, does? Do they? But he's—I wouldn't put him as the leader of that team either. Mm. Harry, you know, I would put like Harry Carson or somebody like that as the leader of that defense. He was just a guy who was nuts and crazy athletic and really liked putting a hitting on people. You know. I, I I don't know. I, I mean, I don't I don't think I would put him in the leadership category. Okay. Yeah. Probably not. But uh, the Winston thing to me is, you know, I I think he's going to implode on himself eventually anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of, and I don't think, and he has to, in order for him to win the Heisman, I think he would have to be heads and tails the best player in the country and i, I don't still right now don't think they'd give it to him maybe maybe, maybe they wouldn't no and I, I don't even think he's in the top 3 in the south right now so as far as like for a heisman heisman contention especially after the way Gurley played yesterday that's fair hasn't there been a case where someone was a heisman did cam newton win the heisman yes he did he very did controversial right yes it's mainly cuz all his stuff basically came out right before, right, I mean, like, in November. But he still like, won it. He still won it, yeah. It was It was just, uh, it was, the timing was weird, so. But, yeah, he won it. And, and I don't think there was any question that year that he was the best player in college football. This year is different. I mean, there's there's a lot of parity amongst these guys. I mean, I think Mariota is probably setting himself apart. Yeah, he's the clear front runner right now, right? I would think so, but Gurley's right there, and uh, you know Amari Cooper, who you know is Ashley's my fan crush, <laughs> my, man, my um, boy crush, I guess it might be, <laughs> is uh, is is right there. And again, that's where you know there's the people in the South. I was really hopeful that Everett Golson would have played better last night, and you know started throwing his name in there. I don't know if it's possible now, um, uh, but there's still a lot of long season left to go. I mean, the kid at Texas A&M, yeah. I mean, he's Kenny Hill's really getting it done, uh, and he's showing some moxie. I mean, he had he had to lead his team to a pretty amazing comeback yesterday too in overtime. They were down three touchdowns. So let me ask you this: Say that by the end of the season, let's just say hypothetically speaking, Jameis Winston is the for some reason all the other guys fall off or whatever. I don't know. Something happens. And Jameis Winston is hands down the best player in college football. With all of the stuff that's going on in the NFL right now and all the discipline issues and stuff that they're having, would the selection committee give Jameis Winston the Heisman this year? Let's keep in mind who the selection committee is. It's a bunch of voters. Who are former winners, right? No, no, this is... Don't you get a vote if you're a former winner? No, like Billy Reed gets a vote. That's right. I mean, it's... But don't you get a vote if you're a former winner also? You very well could. Okay. But I think that the vote, the main... Part of the vote is guys like is media Reed. guys, and I think it was like a hundred. There's 140 or 160 Heisman voters. Would they put him in? Would they? Would they put up? I mean, the, the, Ashley, you you bring up a good question. The image of football is not very high right now. After 
the Ray Rice, Adrian Peterson, and all these other guys who have issues coming forward now about domestic violence, would they want to have Jameis Winston be the poster child? And at this rate, we can almost go ahead and guarantee that he'll get in trouble at least one more time before the end of the season. So I'd say no. Each section, so there are six regions, has 145 media votes. Which So there's a total of 870 media votes across the country. For the Heisman. For the Heisman. Okay. So the um, I would uh, kind of agree. I, I mean, I think that it would... There's a lot of those guys, like Billy Reed, who who I like. Mean, what you, I like Billy Reed. Explain to our listeners what you mean by that, like Billy Reed. Who will put the character aspect in the vote, and I'm not so sure it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Like, it shouldn't be, like, the guy that should be lifted up. I just think that's a slippery slope at the same time when you're saying, I'm lifting this guy up because he's a great football player and he's got great character because you're, as we've seen a lot lately, and this kind of goes back to our Jeter discussion. Usually, when people are thrust in that situation, things kind of come up. You know, whether they were on the Nappy Roots cover of an album or something <laughs> like that, or, or whatever it might be. You know, things kind of come up, and people want to then S- slippery slope. Yeah, slippery, they want to. They want to attack those people. You know, Reggie Bush, Cam Newton. I mean, Heisman Trophy winners being marred in controversy. Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Anybody. No I think new anybody. Thing. Same thing like happening with Miss America too. Like people like this person is the image or the face of an organization or the face of college football or the face of the NFL or whatever. Then as soon as that person is lifted up, everyone's like, oh, well, he's not perfect or she's not perfect. And they've done this, 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 and this. So now people are like, oh, Miss America worked at Planned Parenthood. Uh-oh. Oh, Miss America. Um... Oh, she got suspended or kicked out of her sorority for hazing. So now they're like, she's not a role model. It's the same thing for, I think, people have to think about, um, obviously, in something like that. It's people, They don't know that stuff before they go into the competition unless people blast it out before. Most likely no one says anything because they don't think you have a shot and then you win. And they're like, oh, let me tell you all this dirty stuff I know about this person. I mean, it's basically becoming a political campaign, right? Yeah, it basically is. And that's really unfortunate because we know how ugly those things are. I mean, I, I as mean, I'm experiencing right now. Yeah, and that, again, that's where my nappy roots comic came. You know, I, mean, I feel like Ashley kind of was a little. Uh, Who cares? It, you were on the cover of a nappy roots album. Yeah, but how is that news? How it's is not that? News. How is that news that that should actually be on a news broadcast? Are you holding a a, a, uh, a, was holding a blunt and a machine gun? I was not. No. Okay. <laughs> were you scandedly clad? That's what they're saying. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's just – it's a distraction from the real stuff that we need to be talking about. And it's what happens. Exactly. And it's what happens when people feel like you're a threat. If no one thought you have a chance to win, they yeah. don't talk about you. And then they get the little poll numbers back, and they're like, uh-oh, let's try to get rid of this person. So I'm going to pull out anything that I can pull out. I was watching The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, and I saw that they were poking fun at the Allison – Lunderson Grimes, whatever her name is. is that Lundergan. Lundergan Grimes um, <laughs> ad where she was telling Mitch McConnell how to shoot a gun. How to hold the rifle. So that was getting yeah. some na- Kentucky was getting some national attention. Yeah, Maybe not the best lot, kind. There's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of eyes on this state, this, this election cycle, and probably will be for the next five weeks. I just, uh, you know, I, 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 what Ashley said, all this kind of stuff takes away from the true 
And really, when people start getting ultra negative, it makes me not want to vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And I think that's... You I watch it, like and I'm like, man, large, I hate watching stuff like the that. The large scheme of of life, most people are really, really tired of it, and it really, really... <laughs> really, um, it really takes away from the political process, and that's I think that's why so many people tune out and say they don't like politics or they don't vote or they, you know, because it's people are just tired of it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. We are the weekend sports buzz brought to you by our man Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502 587 0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville, whether it be a, a car crash you're involved in or a issue with a, a hospital or a doctor or a surgery, anything that you have questions about regarding personal injury law, please give Brandon a call at 502-587-0041. I encourage our listeners to give us a call. 502-384-1450 is the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line. We're going to head to the buzz line now. we got our man Carolina Steve on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Carolina? Just fine. Uh didn't have to worry about my pirates yesterday. We played open, and they ain't ever seen anybody. So uh, I uh, enjoyed it. Did enjoy watching some football yesterday. Watched uh, Kentucky and Vandy. Watched a little bit of U of L and uh, Wake Forest. Watched uh, Georgia and uh, Tennessee. And I'm gonna tell you what. I have an early front runner for the Heisman Trophy. Who's that? Mike Gurley. Oh, oh I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to go with your quarterback out of East Carolina, who's starting to get a little attention for it. No, I got big Todd Gurley. He's a. I tell you what, he is a workhorse. He he comes through with the clutch. I really really like him and. Uh, Plus for the fact he's from about uh, 40 miles from my hometown. Okay. I, I knew it. I knew there was something like that involved, Carolina. He's from Tarboro, North Carolina. Uh, what athlete at U of L is from Tarboro? What athlete at U of L? Don't tell me. Um, no idea. On this a, a football player? Yeah. Anton Gill? Montrez Harrell. Oh, okay. <laughs> Man, we should have known that. He, Darn it. he played at uh, South Edgecombe High School, and uh, I played at uh, Barbara, and they played against each other in football. So uh, that was a that was a good matchup. But uh, there's some uh, that was the thing I want. Uh, uh, I'm on my way to North Carolina right now. Anyway, Kelly, uh, got some business to take care of there tomorrow. So uh, I'm on my about forehead now is that, uh, can you believe how pathetic the Carolina Tar Heels have become? A uh, very disappointing loss yesterday, wasn't it? They were supposed to be a top 25 team potentially this year, and they have, I mean, just been very disappointing. Larry Fedora. They have given up 120 points in the last two games. They have given up over uh, 900 yards. Uh, passing, and the thing about it is that Shane Carden only had 10 more yards than did uh, Deshaun Watson, who was a freshman quarterback at Clemson, and I'm just looking forward. In two weeks, I'll be calling y'all on the way back from Death Valley. I'm going down to see uh, Clemson and uh, the Cardinals play, 
And I'm looking to see Deshaun Watson. That that kid is is amazing at everything. Well, y'all have a good day uh, next week. Good luck to the uh, Cardinals and uh, and the uh, Cats. And uh, I'll be talking to y'all next week. Goodbye. Thank you very much for the call, Carolina. Good stuff there. I'm kind of excited about the Cats next week. To be honest with you. South Carolina. I was ask you. I pulled that up. Um, pulled up the schedule. What's your What's your thoughts on that? Or your um, South Carolina beat Vandy. Prediction? South Carolina beat Vandy by ten. Kentucky beat Vandy by ten. Not that that really matters. And then they get South Carolina gets upset by Missouri, who lost to freaking Indiana. And Indiana with a terrible loss yesterday. Uh, it's going to be. Uh, you know, I think seriously, the SEC East. Everybody except for Vandy, who can't beat anybody. Everybody else can beat everyone else. I oh, mean, it's I, an, and it's at UK, huh? Yeah, and it's going to be rocking. I, it's a it's a Keeneland. Uh, you know, it's the, you can go to Keeneland during the day, the football game at night, and I, I have a feeling it's going to be. If it's not sold out, it's going to be very close to sold out, and it's going to be the loudest it's been there in a long time. The ESPN site has eight hundred and forty two tickets left. There I don't you go. Know if that's accurate or not? Yeah. But. but yeah, we'll get out there. We'll tailgate. We'll have a good time. Definitely. Other local team we have to mention, or we should mention, we don't have to do anything, but is... is uh, <laughs> we Indi- do what we want on this show. <laughs> we, we pretty much do what we want on this show, but Indiana actually suffered a pretty pretty bad loss yesterday in Bloomington against Maryland. But Western, huge win over Navy. That's right. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a, a Navy people thought could have had 10 wins this year. And that was a big, and that's a team that's been to a lot of bowl games here recently. I mean, that's a big win for Jeff Brom. Is Western better off with Jeff Brom than they are with Bobby Petrina? Knowing that long term he'll probably be there longer, yeah, yeah, I'd say. Well, you probably what three, four years? Are you saying that Jeff Brom's a better coach than Bobby Petrino? Is a better coach for Western? For Western, I agree. Remember, we go with the whole because I think they even knew Bobby Petrino wouldn't be there long. Bobby Petrino was on punishment, so he had to go there for a little while, and everyone knew that he was going to be out of there shortly. But Jeff Brown may stay around for a while, but until he gets the opportunity to go yeah, somewhere I was bigger, say, he'll get caught. Yeah, up. but he'll be there for four years or you know something. He'll be there for for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I, but I think the success, like I think there's Jeff Brown's probably a little bit more invested in making sure that Western does well. Sure, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a it's a great pickup for them, and he is uh, they're they're off to a, a, a great start in their first year in Conference USA, and you know, so if you're in Conference USA, you can actually get to a, a pretty sizable bowl game where you might get to go up against uh, the fifth place team or a sixth place team out of a major conference, and and then even make even more noise, you know. But that they're two. I mean, they're only two and two, so let's not get too carried away. But they, you know, two big wins, Navy and Bowling Green. No question about it. We are the Weekend Sports Buzz. It's nearing the 11 o'clock hour where we have Ashley's Loco Cinco coming up. We're going to head to a break. Be sure to stay tuned. We'll be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Who you know fresher than home? Riddle me that. The rest of y'all know where I'm lurking at. Can't none of y'all mirror me back. Yeah, hear me rap. It's like hand G rapping his prime. I'm young H.O. Raps great from dead. Back to take over the globe. Now break bread. I'm in Boeing Jets, Global Express. Out the country with the... When I lost my mind There was something so pleasant about that place Even your emotions have an echo And so much space And when you're out there without care Yeah, I was out of touch But it wasn't because I didn't know enough I just 
Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. It is the 11 o'clock hour. And as every Sunday happens at the 11 o'clock hour, we have the most popular segment in local radio or television, which is Ashley's Loco Cinco. In all the world. In all of the world. All of the world. The most popular segment and the fastest growing segment and everything positive you can say about it. Ashley's Loco Cinco. So with no further ado... Ashley's Loco Cinco. I can't. I can't do it until you say the other part. <laughs> All right. All right. For our listeners out there who look forward to it each week, I present you Ashley's Crazy. Thank you, Kelly. So there's five interesting stories this week. Um, a couple of them are a little bit of uh, follow-ups. You know we had quite a conversation about 50 Cent versus... Floyd Mayweather's um, beef, their public uh, dispute. But apparently, the scales have tipped to the Floyd Mayweather side. Why? Because 50 Cent's estranged son, Marquise, has apparently a new father figure in his life. And I don't know if you guys remember, but one of the last um, tapes that Floyd Mayweather posted challenged 50 Cent to... Um, videotape his son saying he loved him or get a text from his son saying he loved him. So I did not see that. Wow. Yeah. So, um, cause that was when 50 cent was saying, Oh, you can't read, you can read cat in the hat instead of Harry Potter or something like that. Man, they're taking pretty deep, cheap shots at each other. Yes. Um, but apparently 50 cent son Marquise, uh, this week posted a photo to his Facebook page says hanging with Floyd Mayweather. Um, so Clearly, um, he's probably trying to get under his father's skin. I'm sure Floyd Mayweather was um, very excited to have that happen. But um, so basically, the backstory: Fifty and Marquise have a complicated relationship. Apparently, Fifty hates his mother and has not really been a part of his life. So, um, and that's something that his son admits he's very, very upset about. Well, um, as of yet, Fifty Cent hasn't posted anything about it on his Instagram, which is where he's been posting all these other things. So I'm sure it's only a matter of time. But wow, he's that going, has to hurt. He's going after his estranged son. That's that's that has, shallow. That's deep. That's deep. I mean, what's worse, shallow or deep? I guess world, those are two opposite things. The but world those are, knowing those that. are serious shots at each other. Yeah, like what's which one would you rather have? The world knowing that I'd rather your son hates you, or the world knowing that you can't read. I'd rather know the world think I can't read. I know that sounds like I'm trying to be on a high horse, but I mean, I think it's much more honorable to be a good father who can't read than a very articulate guy who's... Hates his kids. Who, whose kids hate him and doesn't have a relationship with his kids. I think that's much worse. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would too. I just think the whole situation makes look, both of them look stupid. It does. So. It does. Very shallow from is, both sides, yet entertaining. It is. <laughs> Don't you just love social media? God, TMZ is not going anywhere. No, so I'm surprised someone hasn't like had it out for those people because they, um, Columbus Short posted a lot about TMZ this past week. You know, uh, scandal came back on, and they basically killed off his character because he got in trouble, and TMZ like blew it up. So he apparently had a big party in Atlanta. This is not on my local scene; it's totally random, but um, had a big party in Atlanta, inviting everyone to come watch him get killed. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but he also talked about how much he hates TMZ and how they ruin people's lives and all this stuff. Too. It's the society we live in. Free speech and the, the laws that do protect the media. It, I mean, it's not going anywhere. 
And actually, right now, the the front page of TMZ Sports right now is Antoine Walker. Really? Yeah. What, what, with what? I'm not embarrassed about blowing 110 million. That's what it's. Uh, there's a little story about that. So there Jeez. you go. You Got to own what you do. That, that's cool. Do. Come yeah. out and own it. But we talked about that last. Write week, right? a book yeah, about it. We did. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Write a book about it. Yeah. yeah. Make make 110 million dollars off a book. Go on a little sure. Spe- go on a little speaking tour. Mm-hmm. You know. Good idea. That's you know, fair. Teach budgeting by Antoine Walker. Budgeting. <laughs> Take on Dave Ramsey. <laughs> he should do that. He should come ah, out with some that's real. That's a good idea. Yeah. Fiscally responsible living mm-hmm. by Antoine Walker. <laughs> that's hilarious. It's all about learning from the mistakes that I made. You know, who's yeah. made it's more story? Who's made more financial mistakes than him? Hey, you know, Vince Dave, Young. They talk about Dave Ramsey. Literally, you know, he's gone bankrupt twice. Yeah. So I mean, Donald Trump's filed bankruptcy. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's usually how they. They get to become a success, and they learn lessons the hard way. Sure. Story number two. Story number two. So, apparently, people bring some weird stuff to college. Football tailgates, livestock hot tubs, now coffins. So, apparently, there's a company that's tricking out caskets for tailgate parties, but instead of a corpse inside, of course, the box comes loaded with high-end speakers, flat-screen TVs, a cooler, and... Apparently, this is a company called Party Coffins. They say that they've already sold a couple of their pimped-out coffins, which can run up to $5,500 to fans from the University of Illinois, and they've also made a sale to someone from Nebraska. Why do people want a coffin at a tailgating party? I don't know. What does that represent, Mike? Death to the other team? I mean... (laughs) We're not messing around. We're hardcore. We're not messing around. We're carrying a coffin which we're going to pretend like has a dead body in it they each coffin comes with a built-in cooler mm-hmm. a 32 inch hd flat screen surround sound receiver built-in home theater speakers bluetooth ready to play <laughs> anything from your mobile device and xm radio and dish network ready this just in antoine walker's already bought three of them <laughs> <laughs> i just uh yeah i don't know that's kind of morbid to me i just that uh, sounds very bizarre how much do they cost it says run up to fifty five hundred dollars <laughs> Who's going to buy that is my question. Apparently, three people already have. Three people? <laughs> that's not a, yeah. Every time it grows, the fourth not, person who buys it, that's not gonna, all over Twitter. That's right. not going to make it on Shark Tank. So. <laughs> no, not the most uh, sound business model, but interesting. No, but I mean, the, the the concept, actually, you know, if you cannot make it look like a coffin, like a, you know, tailgate no, in look, a box Did you see a thing. picture? They, they look like coffins. No, they do. That's they what I'm saying. Like I don't know. Maybe somebody had extra coffins, and they're like, "What are we gonna do with these?" Let's but if turn them into tailgate tools, okay. I've seen Hearst. Um, Hearst is the car, right? Yeah, yeah. I've seen Hearst be driven into tailgating. Yeah. So I guess that whole element of death to our opponent, and we are serious. Death is an element we're bringing to the the table. I guess is supposed to be intimidating or whatever it is. The Florida Gators. Games. I heard Montreal Jones say one time that they're, I don't know if it's true or not, but that maybe Tennessee versus Florida or whatever it is, that they're stringing up ga- live Gators and just the most intense things you can ever imagine for SEC football they try to do. And that's what they want to give off at these tailgate parties is we're crazy. We're going to get here at 9 a.m. or 6 a.m. We're going to be drinking all day, and this is going to be the craziest party you could ever imagine, and that's how we're supporting our football team. When I was at uh, Notre Dame for their first game, the guy that I tailgate with uh, tailgates out of an ambulance that they got all doctored up and looking good, and we uh, they were playing rice, so all we had was Asian food. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> that's funny. So. Well, speaking of drinking, 
Um, the people at Buzzweiser are saying that the company has launched an investigation to get to the bottom of why bad expired beer was allegedly being sold at the stadium where the Redskins play. Apparently, some pictures went viral on, guess what, social media yesterday, showing fans at FedEx Field in Maryland holding Bud Lights with the World Cup logo on the bottle that had clearly passed their freshness dates. So, apparently, what they did was um, some people typed in, there's a feature on Bud's website that says, track your Bud. And they typed in the bottle code and told them that the beer had gone bad. Um, but Bud is taking action, at least according to Pete Kramer, which is Anheuser-Busch's vice president of brewing and supply. He said they're working closely with their 600-plus wholesaler network to ensure beer, beer is handled and distributed um, to our quality standards. And they're working closely to try to figure out why, what happened in this instance and how that even how that even occurred in the first place. But if they had World Cup beer, the pictures I saw had expiration dates in June. What's the shelf life of beer? I don't even know. Like, I don't either. But. I mean, I wouldn't think that that would really all that long ago. Yeah. And personally, I mean, we're talking a couple months. <clears throat> so the yeah, it said expires. It doesn't on the bottom. look. It doesn't look good to go to a Redskins game and drink a beer that has an expiration date in June. Yeah, if they're going to put the expiration date on there, I thought set. they put the born on date. Mm-mm. On they the bottom the, isn't there's an expiration, expiration date. date. There's a picture. On, yeah. But yeah. even for you to go to a Redskins game, you don't expect to have a World Cup. No, no, uh, that would pro- that's beer. probably what tipped people off. Yeah, and then maybe the, the beer, maybe how the many beer people was fine. drank it and didn't pay any attention because they already had a few. Yeah, yeah. They, didn't, they didn't care, <laughs> right? So yeah, I, I don't know. That's interesting. People who are, who are out trying to get their their drink on don't care about stuff like that unless you unless you get sick. Unless there's a, yeah, unless you get sick, but still, then you don't necessarily know. You got hammered. You're you throwing up. Evidence. That, happens. Yeah, that happens every Bengals game. Every Bengals game that happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Story Sto- number four. Story number four. During Saturday night's Cincinnati-Ohio State game, one fan thought it would be a good idea to run onto the field. I, I love this story. <laughs> so Ohio State's assistant strength coach, Anthony Schlegel, did not agree it was a good idea. So a former Buckeye linebacker took matters into his own hands. Literally. Um, according to this video... Um, and ESPN.com's Austin Ward said, after the body slam, former Ohio State head coach um, Errol Bruce belted out in the press box, best tackler we ever had. So he body slammed the guy in the middle of the field. And you can see the players, like, cheering him on. It was very funny. wonder if he's going to get sued for that, but it was very interesting to watch. Very funny. I, you you I, see the clip? Yeah, I saw it. Did you watch it? I, yeah, you showed me the clip. Yeah, but yeah, you the saw picture it. right here to me is like priceless. It's awesome. <laughs> and I, you know, I am one that says if you are dumb enough and drunk enough to run the field, you deserve it. You deserve every bit of it. I don't care. Like, uh, you know, I know I don't think they should like gang tackle them and everyone start beating the crap out of them. But if you get hit by one of these guys, you deserve it. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. that's that's kind of how I feel. I would expect that that would happen, right? Yeah. Now that assistant coach looking like he's all <laughs> looks like he could go play linebacker for the, you know any team out there right now, and just the aggre- level of aggression that guy must have. What makes you so mad at some random fan? <laughs> I'm telling you, Vince McMahon needs to call this guy up. Not you know, <laughs> that guy was amazing. That makes me like him. WWE. If I see Todd Grantham or his brother run out there, the defensive coordinator mm-hmm. and defensive coach for the Louisville Cardinals, and do that to to a a, a random. You know, a random 
fan. I'm like, hell yeah, I like yeah. this. Yeah, That's what I want out of my football coach, right? It's competitiveness models, right? and aggression. That's I like it. Yep. Story number five. Uh, apparently there's been some new information in the arrest of Charlotte Hornets player Jeffrey Taylor. Did you guys hear he got arrested? I did not. Okay, so apparently um, he has been accused of attacking a man and a woman before he was arrested um, this weekend for assault. Um 25-year-old Taylor was arrested in East Lansing, Michigan um, on Thursday, actually, after cops say he attacked his girlfriend at a hotel around 1 a.m. It's been learned that the female, who is his girlfriend, is a college athlete who plays soccer at Michigan State. Um, And according to the court documents, Taylor is also accused of attacking a man during the incident. Um, Taylor was arrested for domestic assault, assault, and malicious destruction of a building for allegedly causing between $200 and $1,000 worth of damage. That's a big range. but So apparently now the NBA is going to have to talk about domestic violence too. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, and this is not a guy um, who was born in the United States either. This is a guy who was born in Sweden, you know, went to Vandy, you know, so this is a, it's pretty interesting to me to see that that it's not like you you everybody beats their girlfriends. No, it's but it's not like you can say oh this kid grew up in the inner city and mm-hmm. went to had this bad background and all right. this other stuff. No, I don't know if there's you know with the slums in Sweden or like, but uh, you know not that bad. No, I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't guess. I may be wrong. I don't know. Is it? There's poor people everywhere though, right? Yeah. Yes. Is so. it not odd to other people? Anybody else that his girlfriend is in college, college soccer player? No, he's 25. A 25-year-old dating a 21, 22-year-old is not weird. So, that's assuming she's 21 or 22. She could be 18 or 19. She could be 17. <laughs> and right? we don't have her name, though, so we can't look her up. Right. No, that's interesting. But what's the age difference between you and your significant other? 10 years. Okay. There we I'm go. also 30, so. Well, 25 I mean, and 30 is not that big of a difference. If that's it what, is if, if your significant if, other is ten years younger. Yeah, twenty five to fifteen would be weird, but I don't think twenty five and or even nineteen. Better yet, fifteen to five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kelly. Wow. So, on that note, we're going to ask you guys: What's your favorite story? Is it Jeffrey Taylor? Is it the Ohio State football strength coach? Is it bad beer being served at um, FedEx Field, the party coffins, or? 50, 50 cents on hanging with Floyd Mayweather. The Ohio State assistant coach just uh, so aggressively body <laughs> slamming the drunk fan, who I assume is drunk, is not only going to win for me today, it's going to take the cake for the whole year. That was the coolest <laughs> clip I've ever seen. I, uh, I, would, I, like the, uh, yeah, I like the fan getting body slammed for sure. That was awesome. Ashley, who, what's, what gets your vote? Well... I was going to th- say the fan thing, but you guys took my thunder. So my only other one would be the coffin just because it's weird. The coffin is very weird. That is weird. But, if, if but somebody, not, so, not shocking. If there's a UOL fan that purchases a coffin, I want to meet them so I can that means, see it in person. <laughs> what, it, what it tells me is you're buying that $5,500 specifically for tailgating. That is reflective of a very passionate fan base. A very, I'd very be, passionate fan base. I'd be happy to hear that someone bought it. In the Louisville fan base. If they that, bought it the week of the Kentucky game, I'd be okay with it. But yeah. the funny thing is these coffins are decorated with, the with like, their team stuff. Yeah, so it's that's not like that's, I feel like they should have their team stuff on the outside, the opponent's team on the inside. And you got to constantly <laughs> yeah. be, you know, changing, changing that, that stuff out, right? 
but I don't know. We are the Weekend Sports Buzz. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line is 502-384-1450. At the end of the show each week, ever since the season started, we've been making our NFL picks. We haven't accumulated our, our, our records yet, but all three of us have been here to do that each week, right? Yeah. Well, no, Ashley wasn't here I week one. one. Okay. We'll still pro... We'll be able we'll to go by percentage. We'll, we'll go, go by... by exactly. Yeah. We'll pro-rate it. Pro-rate it. We'll, we'll, Mike, Mike will give you some cash for that. Yeah. <laughs> But we, in the world of the NFL right now, we're going to make our picks at the end of the, the show, right before noon. But the storylines across the league are interesting to me right now. Uh, you hear that John Harbaugh, I'm sorry, Jim Harbaugh, who's the head coach of, Mike, your San Francisco 49ers, there's a story out there right now that if he were to lose in this ship, they're 1-2. and two. If they were to lose today against the Eagles. Which is very possible. Very possible. Eagles are 3-0 and oh, looking great. They would be one in three, and there's a story out there that says Jim Harbaugh could end up back at his alma mater, Michigan, to take Brady Hoke's spot next year. And Brady Hoke, though, still thinks that they can win a championship, so that's mm-hmm. that was his comment after his loss yesterday to Minnesota at home, is that they could still win a championship. And uh, my only thing about that is, yes, it's Jim Harbaugh's alma mater, but someone else in the NFL would take a chance on him. And Michigan's not a curable place, a curable situation for really? a long time. Really? I mean, do you think it is? I I don't know. I, I don't know what you're basing that on. The big house. I mean, you've got the support of, that's one of the strongest fan bases in the world of college football, right? Absolutely. 110,000 people. Well, then what holds them back from being able to generate the revenue and have everything in place to where you have, obviously when they went to Rich Rodriguez, that was a failed experiment. Well, I would also say, so I'm going to compare it, and I think it's actually worse than Charlie Strong's situation at Texas. What makes it worse? A, the, uh, you know, you have the in-state rival who is at the top of their football prowess that they've been in a long time. Michigan State's about as good as they've been in a long time. Certainly. The Big Ten is not an attractive place for college recruits to go play. That is a, a debatable point, though. But I, I don't disagree with it, but that is debatable. I mean, the Big Ten... It's, is the Big Ten very down? The Big Ten's way down. Very down. Yeah. So I guess you could potentially win the Big Ten easier because everyone else is down, but I'd, if you're going after four- and five-star kids, you're losing to... They're losing to Southeast... I mean, Ohio State's losing kids to Kentucky. Ohio State's losing kids that they want to but Kentucky. who actually believes that that's going to continue to happen and that Urban Meyer is going to allow Ohio State to be in this funk? It it has uh, continued to happen since 2006. So this is not like it, we're in a little bit of a. Tr- it, this is a trend. Is Ever right? since Ohio State and Michigan were one and two in the in the in college football, and Ohio State beat Michigan, and everyone thought, oh, there needs to be a rematch in the national championship game. But then they ended up putting Florida in there, and Florida throttled Ohio State. And Ohio State, by the way, is the only win Ohio State has over an SEC team in a, in a bowl game is when they beat Arkansas with all, with all those guys playing that shouldn't have been playing because they were already in trouble. And, uh, and Arkansas was down with injuries and stuff like that anyway. There is, there is, to me, such a palpable difference between Big Ten football and the other major conference football that I couldn't see how, you know, you, you know a one-game situation, obviously it can happen, but over time you're going to see that the, Majority of those kids are going to go play in the South. 
they want to go play at the SEC, even the ACC, the Big Twelve. I don't see where uh, I don't see where Michigan's a a quick fix kind of uh, kind of thing. No, certainly not a quick fix. I don't know that there's such thing as a quick fix in the world of college, big time college football. But if it's not a quick fix, you only get two or three years until the people are start questioning whether or not you should be there anyway. Sure, that's true. So I'd rather be in the NFL and make a whole lot more money. If the money money talks, and at the end of the day, Nick Saban makes more money than a lot of NFL coaches. He does, mm-hmm. and so it is possible that if you can pack the big house and you can write checks, that you could lure a coach. I know that this is touching on a lot of sensitive topics for you, Mike, being that it's your Niners and your SEC that we're I, talking I, about. I really could care less if Jim Harbaugh is the coach of the Niners or not, as long as really? they win. Really? Yeah. As long as they win. Is, okay. Nick Saban, $7 million a year. What's the highest paid coach in the NFL, make, And who is it? Off the well, top of your now head. Let's, let's, let's be you fair are, with this point, You're on though. debate. I'll look it up. Okay. Because you, got, say, you have your, your Nick Sabans and your Rick Patinos and your John Calipari's, Mike Chessies or whatever else that represents the top five or six coaches in college in college athletics, that basically could do. Let's could basically they've they've laid such a groundwork that their job security is second to none. Right, the top of college basketball is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, yes. what does Saban have to do to get fired at Alabama? A lot, a lot. At the same time, he was under some intense scrutiny a couple years ago. Or about a year ago, wasn't it? Not really intense. It, it, according to him and his wife, that's to me. That's more of a f- initial fan reaction, and then, but not not reality. I yeah. mean, because they lost that game to Auburn. All right. So, who's the highest paid coach in the NFL? Pick Kelly Belichick. Belichick. Uh, that's your pick, Mike. I'm going to say it's. Ah, oh. don't tell me. Let me think. Well, that, you have. <laughs> Uh, ten, ten. Marvin Lewis. Nine. No. I'm going to say Nick. Seven. I'm going to say uh, the co- Pete Carroll. All right. Who is I think that's Both of you wrong. So it used to be, um, it used to be Belichick. Okay. At seven point five million, but last year Sean Payton surpassed him, so he makes eight million a season. Um, so apparently he makes he's going to make eight million dollars over the course of the next five years. But we're not talking about being the top. I mean, Harbaugh's not going to be the top page college football coach in the. Do you have the list in front of you, Ashley? No, it just showed those. those I'd like to see. Let's see what Pete Carroll made a somewhat similar jump. Although he was, you could argue, he was running away from the problems at USC. Yeah, I don't think you're arguing, by the way. No, he was clearly running. All right, all right. Here you go. Pete Carroll makes seven million annually. Yep, seven point five or no. They actually have him on here at eight million. Oh, okay. So that may be a, a new update. So one is Sean Payton, two Pete Carroll, both of those at eight million. Bill Belichick at seven point five million. Jeff Fisher with the Rams makes seven million. So Jeff Fisher, John, the Ravens coach, Giants coach, Philadelphia Eagles coach, all make seven million. And then it it drops to six million with Mike Tomlin and Andy Reid, Mike McCarthy. Those three all make six. The rest make $5 million, $4 million. Uh, The other thing I want to say real quick is that last year the 49ers started off the season one and two, and they ended up having a pretty good year. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm not I – mean, That's fair. I mean, I'm not willing to – Throw the towel in yet. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, other stories across the NFL that are interesting to me, especially since Ashley just mentioned it, I'll go ahead and say, 
Sean Payton's the highest paid coach in the NFL, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what, what's their record? They're uh oh are they one and two, right? They got their one win last week. But oh, it also has their ages in here, which is really interesting too. Who's the oldest coach? Uh, Ashley's Ashley's searching for a husband. That's what she's doing. I am not. <laughs> I'm good there. After well, our right, Derek Jeter conversation. I know, right? Well, if that's the case, I should get uh, New York Giants coach. Tom Coughlin. Yeah, he's 68. So he'll be coming out trying to retire. He's a real Washington nice guy, too. Jeter. <laughs> Kelly thinks he looks real good. Yeah, is he is he attractive? Does he have great eyes? He's got be- beautiful rosacea oh. All, oh, across his, awesome. all, all across his face. It looks like he's the oldest at 68. The next... Uh, oldest that I see on here is 63. <laughs> anyway. Pete Carroll. The, the, the games on today <laughs> that interest me are the Saints at Cowboys. Cowboys looked horrible in week one. Everybody loves to hate Tony Romo. Everybody loves to hate Tony Romo. Everybody loves to score on the on the Cowboys defense. And their coach but they, is their defense $5 million a year. Okay. Jason Garrett? Yep. He's 48. <laughs> she's, she's shopping hard. He played for a while. He could be doing all right for himself. Yeah, he had the best job in sports, which is a backup quarterback I, in the NFL. The local, the local aspect of the whole thing of like, because to me, like, it's amazing to me that Marvin Lewis has been able to stay in Cincinnati as long as he has, and through their ups and downs, and now they quite possibly could be the best team in the NFL. And USA only, Today. He only makes four point five. Mike Brown is historically mm-hmm. stingy, but that's yeah. okay. You're right. It is an interesting case study that if you stick with a coach, keep in mind Marvin Lewis is the winningest coach in the history of the NFL to never have a playoff victory. Mm-hmm. Is As a Bengals fan, were you on the fire Marvin Lewis bandwagon at any time? I don't think I was. No, no. I was not. I don't remember being on it. So now, you know. I, I, maybe I should have been. I certainly was on the get rid of Andy Dalton bandwagon, and I'm looking foolish right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think all last season. I was. I think you were losing hair is there a chance because that, of him. Is there a chance that Giovanni Bernard is the MVP of the league this year? Wow. That is a bold statement. I don't know. It was a question. Um, no, I don't think he is. <laughs> no, no, that up. no I, don't think, I don't think it was. I don't think he is. I think AJ Green's just as valuable. Although when they AJ Green got hurt, they did fine. Yep, and Giovanni Bernard, I think, has been the best running back in the league this that's, year. That's that's a fair argument. Uh, the Bengals are looking great. Their defense with Geno Atkins healthy. They got Vontae's perfect. They got guys like Pac-Man Jones, Reggie Nelson. They've got talent all over the field, on, especially on defense. What they've been able to do is keep a somewhat consistent defensive scheme under Marvin Lewis, who's a former defensive coordinator. And they've been able to build on that, and they've been able to stack up depth at certain positions. And they've had 12, this is the 12th season Marvin's been there. And so they have the same Is it 12 season. years, really? This is his 12th wow. season. Mm. I mean, that's that's unreal. I mean, without a playoff victory, that, you know, I don't think Reds fans would put up with that. But if they, they, went, they didn't put up with that. They didn't, but that's a different culture. They've won three modern era World Series. The Bengals have been to two Super Bowls, have never won one. If the Bengals were to somehow win a Super Bowl this year, which is, we got to say, it's very possible. I think it's very possible it's all, to go. It's all worth it. And I'm going to come out and say, sing from the mountaintops, that Mike Brown is a genius. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Why not? That's I, what you want to do is win Super Bowls. I think they're, if they were to win, they would win despite him. Really? Yeah, in spite of him, I guess I should say, yes. I don't think it's, I mean... 
Hey, you guys, you gotta, I guess, applaud the fact that he stuck with Marvin Lewis, and they do have the best defense in the NFL, and possibly the best running back in the NFL. And then he's got pieces around them where they can be successful. Um, but what? Where do you, there's a but here. Uh, it's just to me, there's been too much of him, his football decision making, getting in the way in the past to say that it worked once. You know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut, right? So everything could just click this year for him, and then. I think where they would go from this year would be down. Would, I don't know. I mean, they'd still have AJ Green. I'm they'd little, still have this defense, and I mean, Geno Atkins. As long as he stays around, the defense is going to be really good. It's a matter of not just Geno Atkins. Even without Geno Atkins for the most of last year, the defense was really good. It's a matter of when you have to start resigning these guys. Though, but as a it's painful not, Reds fan, I'm feeling right now because I know that this next group of resignings is going to be disastrous. I well, mean. I have two trivia questions for you all okay. since I'm really enjoying this spreadsheet. Um, first question, what is the average age of a coach in NFL? Head coach? Yes, head coach in NFL. And number two, who is the lowest paid NFL coach? And then that's also going to be followed up by who do you think should be the lowest paid coach in the NFL? Go. I'm going to go with the average age of like right at 50. Kelly? I'm going to say 55. Is the average fifty three? Okay, split the difference. And the lowest paid coach. <sighs> Who's the coach for the? Uh... Hmm, I don't even because I don't. I wouldn't. Is even Doug Marone? Is Marone still the coach of the Bills? I'll say. I see. I was thinking the Bills also. That's kind of where I was. Leaning. He's still the coach, but he is not the lowest paid. Is he near the bottom? He's close. Okay, we'll go with the guy with the Titans. That's um, Titans. I don't even know who that is. The Bears just signed a guy out of the CFL. I wouldn't imagine they threw a ton of money at him. But I would think that their job, thinking that they were the a Titans playoff coach, The Titans coaches, Ken Wisenhunt. Oh, Ken Wisenhunt. No, he's, he's not the Lewis. Yeah, he's no, he's, his name wouldn't allow that. No. I'll say Marvin Lewis. No. No. Four, not even. Four and a half million? He makes four and a half million. He's number 20. All right, so, oh, wow. He's, a bit, he's like also like kind of tied right, you gotta go. It's got to be a small market. right? Let's think about what it's going to entail. It's going to have to be a small market. It's going to have to be a, a relatively new coach, you know, I don't think anybody would stay there for a long time. Um, Who's the coach of? Okay, what's a small small market in the NFL? Well, like Kansas City, City but that's not Kansas City because that's that's Reed, right? Yeah, Reed's that's Andy Reed. Reed. He's not getting the least. So, uh, and obviously Green Bay's not getting it the least. San Diego. Who's their head coach? San Diego. Mike McCoy. He's not the least. He's twenty six, but he's tied with a few others. Okay, four million. Four millions of that far down. Mm-hmm. That's why Jim Harbaugh does not go to college football. What about Tampa Bay's coach? That's a good one. That's a good one. I think that might be. It's Lovey Smith, but he actually makes five million a year. Oh, oh. I didn't know Lovey Smith was in Tampa Bay. Yeah, that's right. Man, how, how, my football knowledge is like I'm going to go with Jacksonville. Jacksonville Jaguars. Is Gus, that Del Rio, right? Gus Bradley. Oh, Gus Bradley. Three point five. Is he the oh. lowest? Nope. <laughs> All right, go ahead. We give up. Oakland Raiders, Dennis Allen, oh, makes $3 okay. million a year. All right. As long as there is... I think it should be Tampa Bay's coach, but it's... As not. long as there is a... The the ownership of the Raiders is in place, and it's a Davis, they're going to have fresh green coaches in there. They did it with Mike Shanahan. They did it with John Madden. They did it with Lane Kiffin. They did it with uh, Cable. They did it with just guy after guy after guy over the years. That's their model. And they don't pay their coaches much, but they give you a co- head coaching experience. It's pretty interesting to me to think that 
there were only three games into the NFL season, and there's only three teams that are undefeated, and there's only three teams that don't have a win. And it's pretty, uh, to me, that just speaks of the parity and the consistency that the NFL has. And, um, you know, I I would think that uh, you would want to, and that's, and we're seeing that in those salaries. I mean, there's if the, for the lowest coach to be, what, $3 million? Is that $3 what you million. said? Mm-hmm. That's still a pretty good salary, I mean, for the lowest paid football coach. So say all you all, all the negative things you want to about the NFL, it's still a great product, a very well-run business, and I it, although it may be on a somewhat of a downturn because of the negative publicity regarding domestic abuse and the way that Gadell's handled things, I really don't think that matters in the big scheme of things. Well, is that it's partly... still a very sellable product that anybody who liked football a year ago That's kind still of the NFL's likes fault, the NFL. I was kind of the NFL's fault. Did they get a little too arrogant for themselves and then they kind of, you know... Maybe you could make that argument. Had some invincibility about them, you know? Does it matter? I don't think so. I don't think it does either. No. I don't think any of this is much of a setback at all. I think it's still the most easy-to-follow, easy-to-watch sport out there, and the average American sports fan is more likely to be engaged with the NFL Speaking of which, than anything else. I am guaranteeing a fancy victory today for my, uh, for my fancy team. Your opponent's starting like four... People want to buy? Yeah, because he's in prison and he can't change his lineup. Seriously? (laughs) (laughs) Nuh uh. Yeah. Wow. So he's in prison. You might as well just start. Let's hear it. Talk all the smack about him. I am winning this week. Ah, in his face. Yeah, Mm. exactly. He's got Russell Wilson who's on by, Giovanni Bernard who's on by. I'm pretty sure he's not going to be able to get to a computer uh, during the yard time. And people get computer time in prison. Uh, Not this guy. (laughs) Wow. Well, we're going to head to a break. Do we know that Charlie Strong's the number three highest paid football coach? Yes. I do remember that. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that wild? Nick Saban, Bob Stoops, Charlie Strong. Nick three. Saban, Bob Stoops, Charlie Strong. Then Kevin Sumlin in wow. Texas A&M, $5 million. So, will, Someone deserves it. Someone will be paid more than Charlie Strong at the end of this year. Yeah. <laughs> Urban Myers, 4.8. Top five. That's a top five. All right. Let's uh, head to break. We're heading to break. All right. Be sure to stay tuned. We'll be back with more of the weekend sports buzz. Mama put double shit, so the number runners was the only one to hang with it. Before you know it, I'm in the game. Bang fit it. I promise you won't like my reply. Boom, bye bye, like Buju. I'm Buju. I'm a Brooklyn boy. I may take some getting used to. Chain snatching, ain't have it. Gotta get it. Sink from Brownsville to Brain British. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. We've got a, a quick segment here before we wrap the show up at 12 o'clock. Big day of games in the NFL we previewed in our last segment. Um, Mike, we've got some news regarding a possible positive story for our Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, Johnny Cueto today, if he wins, he'll be a 20-game winner. He'll be the first right-handed pitcher for the Reds to win 20 games in 49 years. Wow. So it's a you know that's a positive positive deal, and you got to think Cueto's coming back. You're gonna have Lato's coming back. On paper, this should be a good team. Well, yeah, you're gonna lose Chapman. I think they're gonna probably end up losing Raldis, and uh, then they've got a, their younger guys. We'll we'll see how the we'll offense how isn't sign. very good, but it's always a valuable thing when you have a very talented pitching staff. Yeah. And then you Cueto and Latos, I think, are as two two as good of uh, one two punch in baseball as you're going to find outside of Kershaw and uh, Granke. So, uh, you know, baseball ends today, though. 
uh, playoffs start next week. Do you care? I mean, I'd like to see who's gonna who's gonna gonna win it. Could you imagine if? How upset Major League Baseball will be if Kansas City and Pittsburgh is their World Series, mm. which could happen. Yeah, how long has it been? Since, I think it was the 1980s that the Kansas City, even though it's a playoff game that they they made. 85, the Royals and the Cardinals were in the World Series together, and that was probably George Brett. Yeah, and that was George Brett and uh, Dan Quisenberry, and uh, who was their starting pitcher? That was really good, Brett Saberhagen. That's who it was. That's right. Good yeah. call. So the, you know that's uh, that's probably. Uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting matchups like that that could happen. We could have the Royals and the Cardinals. We could have Oakland and San Francisco or L.A. Dodgers and, uh, and Angels. Uh, you could get a Baltimore and Nationals World Series, which would be kind of cool to see. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh's playing really well. Uh, other news right now, it uh, looks like, well, it, it's official, actually. Europe is going to win the Ryder Cup. So the Americans put on a good fight early on. Actually, my two Under Armour boys, Jordan Spieth and Hunter Mahan, both got off to big leads today and looked like they were going to start carrying the U.S. a little bit and maybe have some sort of a comeback. And then Jordan Spieth fell apart, lost to Graham McDowell 2-1, and uh, Mahan and Justin Rose ended up having. So, uh, you know, oh well, we'll have to get them next time we're on American soil and see what we can get done there. Definitely a pretty solid interest in the Ryder Cup. Following the PGA. Across the board, really. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it... It's unfortunate, you know, it doesn't really fit well when it's over in Europe being on primetime television here. No. So you had to wake up in the morning and kind of But it's still something, watch. especially here in Louisville, I'd say. Yeah, when these guys were just here, you know, what, six weeks ago? Yep. And uh, and just being out there, you know, you're a lot more familiar with these guys now. You know, I saw, I saw all these guys basically hit a golf shot. So, you know, that... It, it makes it just a little bit more familiar. You want to tune in because of it. So. Certainly. But, uh, yeah, that's that's what's going on briefly. Are we going to go ahead and uh, yeah, we'll go head ahead to our and last hit, one? Hit our last break, and we will be back. Be sure to stay tuned for the final segment of this week's Weekend Sports Buzz. I Brooklyn Dodger them, I Jack, I Rob, I Sin, oh man, I'm Jackie Robinson, said when I run base, I dodge the pen, lucky me, lucky lead, bit it and get me, now when I bring the nets, I'm the black branch Ricky. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz, Kelly Patrick, Mike Gandolfo, the lovely Ashley Miller, wrapping up a great show this morning, plenty of different topics that we had to discuss today, about 10 minutes left. In the show, at the end of the show, as we do each week, we're going to make our picks for the NFL. Uh, some of the storylines we've discussed today, just a brief summary, and you guys correct me if I'm leaving anything out, is Jameis Winston and his possible rebound after his extreme lows that he's experienced this year. We discussed Derek Jeter. We discussed Louisville's victory yesterday, Kentucky's first SEC victory in a couple years. Talked about just the general state of the NFL and going forward with the the uh, the games, we had a long discussion about the highest paid coaches within the game of, of both NFL or college football, prompted by the talk that Jim Harbaugh could possibly, down the road, end up back at his alma mater, Michigan. What else am I leaving out there? What's going on? Uh, Ashley Miller scandalously clad photo. You know, that's, that's the only thing. You know? Hot topic these days. That's right. Apparently. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good show. We I like I like how we get talking about certain things. We kind of just kind of see it through, and uh, you know, we always want people to join our conversation. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line three four fourteen fifty. But yeah, let's let's uh, let's pick some games. Let's do it. Sure, we can okay, take our can take our time a little bit more. Yeah, we were rushed the last couple of weeks, but that's all right. You know, and that's why I don't think I did very good. But that's okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. because we I'm with you. Kevin. We rushed you. I understand. All right, let's start with the uh, one o'clock game that's going to be on locally here on Fox. The Green Bay Packers are traveling to the Windy City to take on the Chicago Bears. Uh, I would say Aaron Rodgers and Eddie Lacy have been very disappointing this year for the Green Bay Packers. Very. And uh, the the Bears are on a little bit of upswing, which we, we don't know if they're even going to have Brandon Marshall ready to play yet or not. So uh, I'm taking the Bears at home, though. Wow. I'm taking the Bears also. I'll say I'm taking the Bears also, but let's – Take a second and think about what that really means. Green Bay, by the way, is a two-point favorite. I don't know, I'm not sure how, but go yep. ahead. Say what you're going to say. What that really means is the Bears will move to 3-1, and one, whereas the Packers are going to be 1-3. and three. Yep. That's a big storyline in the AFC North. I would agree. I would I'm sorry, agree. the NFC North. I, I mean, that, that's huge. The Aaron Rod- Is Jay Cutler the type quarterback, I'll group him with, potentially being a Joe Flacco or Eli Manning type guy, who, what do those guys do? They can win Super Bowls. Is Jay Cutler well, the Flacco, type? Of- yeah, Flacco did. Trent Dilfer also in that conversation. But I would, I would group Flacco and Eli Manning in a different type of gunslinger type mentality okay. than a game manager like a Brad Johnson or a Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer. I would say they're gunslingers who are prone to throwing interceptions. However, they're also prone to big games and getting hot and, and leading their teams to Super Bowls. I think uh, is 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 Jay Cutler that type of a, a quarterback? Only because he's probably got two of the top ten receivers in the league. On only because of it. I mean, I think he's got two receivers that can help make up for him. He does. Alshon uh, Jeffrey. Some, some difficult passes. Marshall and Jeffrey are, are two of the best in the league. Okay, I didn't mean to slow us down there, but if that does indeed. Come to fruition where the Bears win and they move to three and one, and the Packers one and three. I'd say that's one of the bigger storylines in the NFL. The other local game here on CBS will be a local matchup of sorts. You can go north to Indianapolis and see the Colts take on the Titans. Colts. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that the Colts are the ones to pick here. The Colts are a seven and a half point favorite, which is a huge line in the NFL. I'll go with the Colts also. All right, other one o'clock games. The uh, the two and one Buffalo Bills travel down to Houston to take on the Texans, who are also two and one. Houston is a three point favorite. Yeah, I was going to pick Houston also. <laughs> I'll take Houston. And it's at it's, it's at, at Houston. Houston. It's at Houston. Kelly picks games to be different. We, I'm picking them to be right. So Me let's too. see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm taking Houston too. So thus far, we haven't dis- differentiated at all, and that. Does bother me? I know it's a little scary, but uh, I'm going with Houston also. Uh, there's a lot of games. We're gonna, dif- you know, we'll disagree on some of them. The Panthers and the Ravens uh, in Baltimore. Baltimore is a three and a half point favorite. Um, I'm not been very impressed with the Panthers this year. Their defense really let me down last week against the uh, Steelers. Minus three fantasy points on that one. I'm gonna have to go with Baltimore. Me too. I'm going with Ravens. I like Cam Newton, but that's it. Yeah, I'm going with the Ravens too. I'm not going to make picks just for the sake of shock value. You don't scary. don't call me a shock jock. I don't know, man. I don't know. All right, one o'clock game still. Detroit heads to play the Jets. The su- somewhat surprising Jets, even though they're only one and two, they've been playing much better. 
Um, Detroit is a one-point favorite. Um, I really like Detroit here. I'm picking Detroit. I picked Detroit also, and I, I think this will signify that Geno Smith should not be the starting quarterback of the Jets, and I think that next week you'll see Michael Vick take the reins as the starting quarterback for the New York Jets. I don't know. Uh, although it would be awesome if Vic was the quarterback in Cleveland and he took him to the dog pound. That would be great. All right, anyway, the Buccaneers, 0-3, go to Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh is a 7.5-point favorite. Again, yeah. a huge line in Pittsburgh. the NFL. I got The Buccaneers have shown nothing. Got to go with Pittsburgh. Got to go with Pittsburgh. Thus far, we are all in agreement. In unison. Oh, let's, this one might change it, though. Let's see. The... Miami Dolphins, who are one and two, go to play the zero and three Oakland Raiders in Oakland. Miami is a three and a half point favorite on the road. Mm. I'm going to take Oakland. I'm taking Miami. I'm going Miami. Also, they show they've shown me more. They, they had a good week one. They're looking pretty good. They've been pretty disappointing the last couple weeks, but. I'm, I got to go with with the uh, Miami Dolphins. They they've got more on both sides of the ball, in my opinion. I think Oakland will get their first win. We'll see. The Jaguars, who are also zero and three, are on the road in San Diego. This is a huge line at thirteen points mm-hmm. for the Chargers. Chargers. And the Chargers have actually been playing pretty good football. I'm going with the Chargers. Me too. Chargers. All right. The Philadelphia Eagles, who have my starting quarterback in fantasy football, Nick Foles. Go to San Francisco to take on my 49ers. So I have to hope that this is a high-scoring affair and the 49ers win. 49ers are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I like my 49ers to go two-and-two. I'm going with Eagles. I'm going with the 49ers. All right. So we got two that we did for I think the physical defense at home will will win over against the flashy, high-powered offense on the road. So I'm going the Niners. And then – Let's go to the game that's going to be on locally at 425. The Fighting Teddy Bridgewaters. Oh, yes. Well, finally, Teddy will make his first NFL And we all get to watch him here locally. And we get to watch him. I'm so excited about this. But he's playing an Atlanta Atlanta Falcons team. It's pretty good. Uh, Atlanta is a four-point road favorite. Uh, I would like to pick Teddy, but with him not having Kyle Rudolph, not having Adrian Peterson, missing a lot of his weapons, I've got to go with the Falcons. You got to go with the Falcons here, and and I got to say this is not the most ideal setting at the beginning of the year. If you'd have told me that Teddy'd be starting this game, I'd be okay with it. That's assuming you had Adrian Peterson next to him. Yeah, no, no Adrian Peterson, no Kyle Rudolph changes things dramatically for the rookie making his first start today. I'm going to cheer for Teddy. Cheer I'm going for, for Teddy. the Vikings. Just for general purpose. All right. Oh, no question about it. Vikings are now my number two team. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So all the other UVL players are on, are on NFL rosters. It doesn't really matter. Teddy's getting my allegiance. Yes, sir. Teddy's, Teddy's getting the allegiance. the allegiance. He's also the only guy who put an ad in the Car- Louisville Cardinal thanking his what? fans. That was pretty awesome. Years. That was awesome. And he's the, the clear-cut most valuable player that the Cards have possibly ever had. In my era, in in my life. And I guess to be fair, even though it's one of the 49ers' biggest rivalries, I like I like watching Randall Cobb play for the Packers. And I think it's it's got to be pretty comparable, right? Randall Cobb, Teddy Bridgewater, what they mean to... Randall Cobb has certainly made much bigger impact in the NFL thus far. Well, I mean, yeah, but I'm talking about what they mean sure. to the Kentucky fan base and what Teddy Bridgewater means to the Louisville fan base. Sure. Randall Cobb is beloved. Sorry I'm as... so chatty. We do just have about a minute left. Okay. 
Well, we only got uh, well, we got the uh, the the night game on NBC, the Saints and the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Saints are a three point road favorite. I'm taking the Cowboys. I'm I'm taking the Cowboys too. Yeah. Wow. Are I we hate all three to do it? But I'm taking the Cowboys. Highest paid coach in the league is going to go to one and three. Maybe. Okay. I, yeah. And then uh, the Monday night game, which I don't even know if we've been picking Monday night we games, haven't, we but haven't it doesn't had matter. Time. We got time. The New England Patriots go on the road to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. The Patriots are a three-point favorite. I'm going Patriots. I'm taking the Chiefs. Wow. I think Tom Brady's done. Mm. Wow. I'll go the Chiefs too. All right. Andy Reid's no slouch. So that is our. Uh, that's our wrapping up our football picks. We hope everyone enjoys their football Sunday. I know uh, I will. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to watch anything. Really, to be honest with you, but I won't be able to watch every second of everything. I'll be busy. Also, I mean, you got to love catching the scores here and there. It's just a, a great time to be a sports fan. It is. I'm making my debut as a grade school cross country coach today. Really? Oh, wow. yeah. so Good luck. Because look at me. I'm a cross country runner. Oh yeah, oh, clearly. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next week on the Weekend Sports Buzz. We ain't even pro be here. Also hard since we here. It's only right that we be fair. Psycho, I'm libo, to go Michael. Take your pick, Jackson, Tyson, Jordan, game six. Also hard, got a broke clock, rollies.